This is WQA Radio, a podcast from the Water Quality Association, the leading voice of the water treatment industry. And hello, I'm your host, Wes Bleed. This could be a really good method for response to um, changes in treatment technologies or known main breaks or known disaster events. And it can also be a useful method for periodic routine monitoring. That's Dr. Kelly Reynolds talking about the Household Point of Use Pathogen Study funded by the Water Quality Research Foundation, WQRF. And welcome to another episode of WQA Radio, news and insights about the water treatment industry. Find us at wqa.org and on social media like LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This is podcast number 148, and if you're joining us for the first time, we are so glad you're here. Subscribe at uh, Apple Podcasts or most popular podcast apps. Also, find a link at WQA's homepage, wqa.org. A lot of different ways to get to the podcast. All right, in this episode, Dr. Kelly Reynolds summarizes and then answers a few questions about her POU pathogen study during a recent In the Know WQRF webinar. The results of the study indicated that household water treatment filters can be used for large volume monitoring of drinking water quality at the point of use. However, retention of introduced pathogens on the tested filters is low and could still underestimate risk. Plus, we'll have our WQA tip. Now on to Dr. Kelly Reynolds and her POU pathogen study on WQA Radio. Household POU devices were targeted for monitoring large volumes. It was a successful um, method to develop for, I think this will be a very beneficial way to monitor water supplies over long periods of time, and especially going into communities where you know you may have had a problem. You know, if we could have gone into Flint, Michigan right away and grabbed point-of-use filters to see what kind of contaminants were on those filters, we would have found there was a lead to problem long before the outbreaks told us that there was. So this could be a really good method for response to um, changes in treatment technologies or known main breaks or known disaster events, and it can also be a useful method for periodic routine monitoring. Half of our filters tested positive for E. coli or total coliform indicators. We did not find human viruses, but I think a broader study um, on a more national level, we would find those based on our pilot data. Um, annual risk estimates do indicate that we are frequently exposed to microbes in the tap water supply post-distribution, and many of these are of fecal origin, but the levels may be below acceptable risk for some communities and maybe not for others. Our cost-benefit calculators can be tailored to a variety of different study risk estimates to fit different scenarios in different communities. And um, one of the things that I just want to drive home as a final conclusion is that this study shows successful use of POU devices, and I think the POU industry should be more engaged with municipalities to be providing additional ways, improved ways for monitoring water quality so that we can all partner together in making sure we have the best quality monitoring to catch any potential outbreaks or needs for boil water events or other emergency evaluations. Kelly, thank you so much. We appreciate this. Very interesting. And just a few follow-up questions, if I may. 
Could you talk a little bit more about the reporting of waterborne diseases? You mentioned early on that they seem to be underestimated. Is that fairly true across the board? And why do you think that is? Yeah, it's absolutely true. And, and CDC and the EPA are all on the same page with this, as well as academia, um, public health departments. We know there's an underestimation of the illnesses that occur from drinking water. And it's really, it boils down to, you know, think about the last time you got sick with, say, diarrhea. Did you go to the doctor, have it diagnosed, see what the, the etiological agent was, the causative agent was? And if you did, did your doctor report that to the health department? Did the health department report it to the CDC? Did anybody link it back to water? You know, most often we, we assume it was something we ate. But we know just from monitoring the water quality and finding these pathogens that cause those types of illnesses in the water, we know there's a, a relationship, a probabilistic relationship that our risk models predict of if you're exposed, the likelihood of having an adverse health outcome. So for many people, the outcome might be mild, again, like diarrhea, and you just don't go to seek, you don't go to seek treatment. So nobody's really relating that illness um, to water, and the CDC is certainly not adding it to their database. The only way a waterborne outbreak gets added to the CDC database is if they research it. That means they come to your community and they collect water samples and they can identify a causative agent and link it epidemiologically back to the illnesses that were reported. And so the sensitivity of that method is, is way too high to be able to do that for the vast number of illnesses that are occurring over time. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Thanks for that. Now, you talked about the technicians who collected the uh, the data. Could you talk about how you took measures to make sure that they were not involved in any transmission of microbials? Right. So a concern of ours in terms of quality control of this study right from the start was we wanted to make sure there wasn't a potential for the technician in the field to have fecal bacteria on their hands and then change out these filters and introduce the bacteria to the filters. So, you know, our first clue that this wasn't happening was that there were so many filters contaminated. And when we swab people's hands, we just don't find that much fecal bacteria on people's hands, um, you know, randomly. So that was one clue. We saw a lot of contamination. So we thought, therefore, it was occurring from the water supply over long periods of time and being captured on the filter. But the other precautions we took is we really we engaged a senior technician, somebody that had been with the company for over a decade, was you know very knowledgeable about changing these filters out and quality control for their own industry of not introducing contaminants to the water treatment system in the household. And so with their expertise and our additional training and providing for them hand sanitizer, informing that they need to wash their hands with soap and water, and then right before changing the filters, use hand sanitizer, and then teaching them kind of the aseptic technique for removing the filter and storing it so that it didn't come into contact with any other surfaces where there could have been contamination. We felt very confident that we had provided effective training so that we had good quality control and we weren't contaminating the filters in the process. And the filters themselves, how old were they? Approximately a year. So most of the clients of this provider contracted that on roughly an annual basis, their filters would be changed out. And so give or take a month or two, um, our filters were anywhere between 11 months and 14 months in place. And what about during the collection period? Were there any boil water notices observed or recorded that might have had any impact? 
Yeah, so the answer to that is no. That's a simple answer. A little bit more complicated detail to it is that the sample came from Tucson, and Tucson Water, our utility here, has never had a boil water notice in the history of the utility. And it's not because there haven't been contamination events occurring over over time, but it's because when they do detect an E. coli positive in their water system, they simply shut that well off to the supply and engage other wells in the community. So we have multiple um, groundwater wells in play that supply our municipal water supply. And so if there's a problem with one well, they shut it off. And so they don't have to issue a water a boil water notice to the community because the risk had already been managed in a different way in rapid time. So that's unique to Tucson. You wouldn't see that in other um, communities necessarily, especially communities on a surface water supply where you couldn't control the source of the water. And so that's where I, I think if we could expand this study to other communities that have a wider variety of water quality and water scenarios, source water scenarios, um, we would likely see more contamination. So if a boil water notice was occurring in a community, that would be a great time to go grab POU filters and see what the impact might have been before people actually um, boil their water, before they even knew that they should be doing that. There certainly seems to be opportunity for the point of use, uh, point of entry treatment industry. And you talked about collaboration with uh, the municipalities. Can you talk more about that and uh, what you see, the, what you would like to see done with the results of the study? Absolutely, yeah. I, I hope that this research really engages municipalities and the point of use industry and academia. I think there's definitely room for all of those stakeholders and the consumer as well, by the way, all of those stakeholders to work together for a collective voice and understanding that we need more research, we need improved monitoring. This can help increase consumer knowledge and consumer confidence in the product and lead to better policies and water quality management practices. So you know, really having a better understanding of the quality of the water and where the source inputs are. I think a lot of times people think that you know, my work where I'm, I'm very supportive of the POU industry, I think everyone should have uh, treatment at the tap as a final barrier because of all the, the research that we've done and all the problems that we've identified. But that's not to say the municipalities are not doing a great job. There are other issues throughout the entire chain of water distribution to the consumer that are at play. And a big part of that is even the consumer's own premise plumbing. So that's something the utility just doesn't have any jurisdiction, and rightfully so, to help control. And so I think having a better understanding of those impacts throughout the entire distribution chain and how a final barrier at the point of use could be beneficial would really take the pressure off the utilities, honestly, and give the consumer more knowledge to make decisions for their own risk management. I think that sums up all the questions we've got for you, Kelly. This, again, was very interesting. Thank you so much for the presentation today. Thank you. I appreciate the time. It's Dr. Kelly Reynolds during a recent WQRF In the Know webinar discussing her POU pathogen research funded by WQRF. And you can learn more about the study at wqrf.org. Now our WQA tip, becoming a member of the Water Quality Association has never been easier. Go to wqa.org membership and sign up and pay right online. No need to call or mail in anything. Do it all with the click of your mouse. You can also renew your membership completely online. And if you're joining WQA for the first time, your registration for the WQA Convention and Exposition in Orlando, April 1st through the 3rd, is free. 
So what's not to like about that? If you have any questions, reach out at membership at wqa.org. We'd love to have you join with other like-minded water treatment professionals so that we can continue to promote the betterment of water quality around the world. That's wqa.org slash membership. Thanks for listening to WQA Radio, news and insights about residential, commercial, and industrial water treatment. Remember, you can subscribe to WQA Radio on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Just search for WQA Radio, then hit subscribe. Each new podcast will appear in your podcast catcher or podcast player automatically each week. That's the magic of podcasting. And be sure to rate and review the podcast as well. Learn more about water at WQA.org and learn more about WQA product certification, professional certification, and how you can become a member at WQA.org. This is Wes Bleed. So long from WQA Radio.